Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye, while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Matthew 7, 3-7-5. What were you pissed about on Wednesday? You know, is the church willing to look at itself? at its own role and, 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 and its own structures, just like you said, from the pension fund on down to, you know, where, where clergy get placed to going to seminary to, you know, the funding that goes to congregations to, you know, the funding that goes to the historically black colleges and universities that were founded by the Episcopal Church and forgotten by the Episcopal Church. You know, we can mm-hmm. go yeah. on and on. Are we willing to look at ourselves and show the world, show America at least, how it is that you go about examining yourself. If you don't think you're a racist, if you don't think you have a problem with white supremacy, what's the harm in examining yourself? We are going to examine ourselves critically and what we find we're going to throw out. And this is how you do it. This is how you heal from it. This is how you engage those conversations. This is how you repent of it. This is how you forgive for it. This is how you reconcile from it. This is how you walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us an offering and sacrifice to God. And I don't think you mean this, but I think it sounded a little bit like an either or, like before we tell America what to do, before we tell them, and then you got there right at the end. And I want more of this, right? I want the part of show America by removing the speck in our own eye. Like what in the world? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) See, I'm trying. I keep trying. I keep trying. You know, it's an an important point. And it's an important distinction that Jesus makes. And yeah, it is a both and. But, you know, it's like I tell people all the time, when 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 we read in Acts, in the book of Acts, that, that, that Barnabas, you know, sold everything that he had because after he heard Peter speaking, right? And, 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 it's not simply because he heard Peter speaking. It is because he heard Peter speaking and he heard the word proclaimed. And it is also because the apostles could point to an actual community that was living in that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. right now we have churches and church leaders talking about something that doesn't even exist in the church. And that, right, that's the, that I want to make sure that people understand that we're not talking about stopped trying to correct or, or, or judge or corral or, I mean, that keep doing the social commentary, keep doing the prophetic word, keep doing the, 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 not the rubber stamp, but the, the support and the action. And yeah, we're behind the ball. Like we, we are not leading this charge. So, but keep running, right? Darn it. Keep, keep running, keep trying to catch up, keep engaging. But the way we do that, the way we do that most effectively in love in Christ, the way we do that most effectively as the church is by removing the log in our own eye and having that be that public witness. I mean, what in the world would it look like to America if in this moment we started handing back property, if we started finding a way, right? If we declared a fast from Holy Eucharist, not because of COVID, not to save white life, but if we declared that fast so that we could save black and brown life, so that we could say, look, until this is wiped out in the African-American community, until deaths and infections and, and hospitalization rates go down, not just 
in the Commonwealth or in the state, but until they go down in the poorest communities, in the blackest communities, we're not coming back to our church and our church building for that matter. And when we do, the first thing we're going to do is, you know, or, or while we're waiting, right, we're going to take all this money from the church pension fund and we're going to donate it. We're going to give that while we do the long-term studies and all the economic models about what reparations should be and all that other stuff, right? But, but we're going to take that money and, and, and start doing and loving with it. Like that's, the, that's the, the hope that it isn't stop marching or stop protesting or stop engaging so that you can take the log out of your own eye. It's that we need to, we need to show that and engage in that as our method for protesting and engaging and, and taking the log out of our own eye. But you know, here, 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 here's a confounding difference. This is, this is where we, we, people have said they want to see more of where we disagree. Cause it's always like a love fest for the two of us. Right. <laughs> uh, people say, you know, when do you all have disagreements? Right. Right. right and right. For me, it's almost better to stop doing because mm. a lot of what is being done is not helpful. And of course it's not helpful because there's a log in your eye. You can't see. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so it might be better to stop and remove the log before trying to remove the speck. And here's, as you were talking, I was thinking about this because you know, as we talk about racial heresy and the divide between black and white and so on and so forth. And we know the ad is at 11 a.m. on Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. That's not really true. Mm. It's only true on racial lines. But the majority of this country is white. Mm -hmm. 11 a.m. on Sunday morning for white America is the most integrated time. It's when Republicans and Democrats can all mm. sit together in love, mm. quote unquote. Mm -hmm. They all come together and they worship at the same altar. They worship the same God. And I think about Lincoln's inaug second inaugural address where he was like, man, far be it from any of us to try to wring the sweat from another man's brow. And both of us can't be praying to the same God and both of us be right. One of us got to be wrong. But somehow, white America has held in the balance and stayed in communion one with another. One side being allies, quote unquote, the other side being not allies, quote unquote. There's a lot there. And you're going to get me started on white Jesus real quick, right? <laughs> like, like we have stayed in communion Amen. We have stayed in communion with white Jesus, right? White Jesus is what holds us together. White Jesus is what holds us in communion, right? Now, now you're talking about, I think, um, yeah, I mean, you want to talk about what holds white people in communion in the church, that, right. that white Jesus, Right. That brings us comfort. White Jesus that tells us it's okay. White Jesus that tells people who are virulently and publicly um, racist and, and white supremacist that that's okay. And that tells right. uh, wonderful liberals that you're trying your best and it's okay for you to go back to your big house and your, and your big job and your big paycheck and, and all this and because you're trying your best, right? And I know or that there honestly, hasn't been enough change versa. in the world. Honestly, right. even vice versa. There's white people right now that can't stand niggas. And they go to church with, with white folks that, that are nigger lovers, quote unquote. And yeah. they don't tell those nigger loving members that they are all wrong. They let them all come to Jesus because Jesus, white Jesus loves everybody. 
And I disagree with their politics, but in white Jesus' name, we're all saved. So yeah, even gotta, vice versa, mm -hmm. no one believes what they believe enough to believe it. Yet somehow you're going to go out in public and show up for racial justice. You're going to tell the people outside of your church that they are wrong for holding certain views, but you're not even going to tell the people within the church who hold those views that they are wrong for holding those same views. So if you hold those views inside the four walls of the church, you are saved and sanctified. The same person can go outside and hold those views and be protested against. We're going we're gonna, to, inside the walls of the church, though, that's white Jesus' responsibility. It's not my responsibility to, to correct a sister or a brother in that. That's white Jesus take care of that for me. And here's, here's that, here's, here we get back to those, those the, the characteristics of white supremacy culture, right? Like, like it, I am unwilling to risk that relationship that I'm in. But I go outside the church, and now it's just it's it's the powers and the empires, and and I can I can launch, you know, judgments out without risk. Um, Man, now, look, you can go in any any mainline denominational church, even non-denominational churches. You can just go in the vast majority of churches in America, and you will have enough membership that is Black Lives Matter and enough membership that is all lives matter. You will have enough membership that is blue lives matter. And they will all be reconciled, praying to the same God, listening to the same pastor preaching, eating from the same table of Eucharist. Hmm. They will all pretend to be one in church on Sunday. And in their daily lives, they will have views that are abhorrent one to another. So how can you help remove the speck from society when that exists within the church? There, there's, there's almost a logistical argument, right? There's an engagement that says um, we're never going to be we're never going to be healed enough. We're never going to be together enough. We're never, we're never going to get the theology right enough. Um, that my fear is that if if all we do is keep trying to work on ourselves, that that we're going to relive all of that inward focus, all of that 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 damage, all of that continued. Um, but you know, brother, that's so, that's so that's 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 like, I mean, it's Western, so I understand, man. But it's so <laughs> scarcity mindset, man. The Lord came that we can have life and have life in abundance. And so the best thing that we can do for the sake of life is to work on ourselves. Okay, so and modeling that, right? Right, because modeling that is the only thing that we can do. How can I try to tell anybody anything that I haven't been going through myself? What do I know about it? What does the church know about becoming beloved community if it cannot become beloved community itself? Why should I listen to the church about racial reconciliation if the church isn't racially reconciled? Well, then if the church ain't racially reconciled and if the church ain't leading the way, then shouldn't maybe we get out and start learning from the people who are? Like if the Holy Spirit is alive and active and is, is, is out there in Black Lives Matter, then let's, let's go meet it. Now, that's, that's a different perspective, but don't come in like we're the church now that we're here and we're going to sanction this in Jesus' name. Y'all should be all good that we finally made it. Thanks be to God. 
Now, if you're going to learn something like a like like you know like like deacons do, go out and learn what's going on and take it back to the church, and we take the offerings and we consecrate them, lift them up to God, or return them to some as something salvific, Eucharistic, praiseworthy. Then that's another story. Then great, that's what we should be doing. Hey, let me let me coin a line that you'll see in my forthcoming book two or three years from now. Um, right, what you've talked about is the church approach approaching God outside the walls of the church building, right? But approaching God and the Holy Spirit alive and active in the world, approaching God in humble submission. Humility that is submitting to the authority of God being expressed and incarnate right now in the movement for black lives, in the rebellion that says white supremacy must end, in all of these people who are willing to risk their lives to take on bullets and, and a militarized police force and the U.S. military alive and active on U.S. soil, right? That they are willing to stand out there and we need the church to submit to them, to God, expressed in their lives right now in I mean, humble submission. You, you, just reminded, you just reminded me of something that you even said earlier in one of our other conversations, right? And it was like, you know, Jesus, the, the church is the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And Jesus Christ came in the flesh, mm -hmm. gave himself up, gave up his body that others might live, that while we were yet sinners, we would find life. Mm -hmm. He didn't wait to agree with what was going on and how they were going on. I mean, Barabbas wasn't the first violent rebellion. There was a bunch of violent insurrectionists trying to upset the order. He didn't wait until people got themselves in line to say, you know what? Now they're obeying the rule of no, now that I can, now I can go down. Like imagine if Christ had waited until the people had obeyed the law. All right. So we get, we just going to do everything we're going to do. There's no multiple, there's no multiples podcast. We're going to cover it all. So we're going to start with logs and specs. We're going to go to white Jesus. And now we're going to get to looting and rioting and how unchristian it is to be violent. And we're going to decide once and for all, whether or not Jesus is going to sanction whip of cords, whip of, you know, that he, that he winds up and, 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 and drives people out of the temple and, and, and whipping money changers and turnover tables. If that's the same thing uh, that we see on the news, you know, that's being, that we're being frightened with or were because it's largely over at this point. Right. So we're going to do that. Right. all. Okay. All right. All right. Let's go. I mean, that, like, you know, how, how do you not do it? all you know when we're when we're talking about the church being engaged mm. right because the mm -hmm. church is going to come on the scene not understanding any of it but trying to make proclamations about all of it and then wondering why there's no relationship and why even if we get back to a point of stasis not peace but even right. if we get back to a point of stasis that same sickness will still be lingering beneath the surface. You know, it's like, man, I wish that podcast didn't come down that we did when presiding Bishop Curry got elected. And we were like, you know, all right, we've solved racism as a black bishop that's the head of the church, you know, but I know that I want to still up there about, you know, we got Republicans and Democrats in the pews, so I can't say nothing. You know, we've, we've allowed this to fester once before. And I think about it and I'm like, oh, you know, all of these religious leaders, again, who are shocked and awed of the 
vitriol that we are seeing, it's like, that's only because we don't study history. Right. Repent of our surprise. Right. And so what we are seeing is that somehow about every 50 years, we got to go through this. Just a few years ago, we were celebrating the 50th anniversary of all the civil rights legislation. And I just thought about that, mm. not even just, but a few mm. days ago, thought about the fact that 50 years before the civil rights legislation was, you know, the 1920s, you know? Uh, so it's like every 50 years, we got to go through this. So somehow, white America keeps going back to sleep. I listened to some of James Baldwin's old speeches and white America stood oh, up on the clock and it was like, man, y'all heard him back then, but here we are still. So what is, and you know, I keep saying like, what is, if we say, if we talk about white privilege and white supremacy and the invisible knapsack that is given to white people upon birth, whether they want it or not, we, 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 those of us who understand and accept white supremacy and this invisible knapsack. No, you don't need to have wanted it. You did not ask for it. But if we know that intuitively, if we know that intellectually, if we know that by praxeology, when are we, the church, going to devise a liturgy, devise theology, you know, preach theology, see the gospel in a way that liberates people, white people, from that knapsack? So here's my first theory on, on that question. Here's my first theory on that question. Um, we are unwilling to face the, the crushing grief that we would have to face to do that. Um, uh, Perkinson, uh, professor author, talks about the pedagogy of horror right, that white people that we would have to face, truly face the reality of ourselves, right? Everything you've talked about, we would have to confront what right now feels like a completely insurmountable and completely destructive, a reality that would destroy our very identity, that would annihilate us as we know it. Right. And that is so scary. Look, we would rather we, but, we, but there we would is, rather there act. Is a place for the church. There I'm is great. a place Amen. for the church. Because because here's the, I was just thinking it's funny you say that because I was thinking about this last night and it was like, you know, the trap. And it, again, it was in result as a result of listening to James Baldwin. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the, the tragedy of white existence is that white identity has become so entrenched in white supremacy that to undo and do away with the idea of supremacy would kill white identity. Like, mm -hmm. so how does the white church then help whiteness establish an identity that is rooted in the Imago Dei in created in Jesus Christ, created in God the Father and God the Holy Spirit? Well, now we're back to, to maybe one of the places where we're gonna disagree about who's gonna go what where, right? Um, and, and that is like, I wonder about an urgency that, okay, yes, that's the work that the white church needs to do. And we have to do that. Right. I don't, I don't want another 50 years of, of violence against black and brown bodies against, but it won't uh, be I don't another want 50 that. Years. It won't, I don't want why. another, I don't want another day. I don't want another day. 
Like these but, systems that we have in place are going to keep going. They are self-perpetuating. Their only purpose in existing is to perpetuate their own power. And if the white church stops long enough, even for a day or two, I worry, right, to do the internal work that we need to do to completely undo our identity in white supremacy and to instead ground our identity in Christ, that we're going to grind up a whole bunch of more black and brown bodies before we even get our butts back out there. You know, that goes back to something you just said that, you know, when you said we want to do something. Mm -hmm. Rather know, than face the, the horror of our own existence. But you, but what needs to happen is we need to be something. One of, one of, one of my Rasta brethren was talking with me the other day and we were, and he was, you know, educating me on something, you know, something that I, I know intuitively, but he gave word for it. The difference between being a human and being mankind. Western society is mankind. It's a kind of man. Humanity secut deus, as Bonhoeffer would say. Whereas the imago dei is human. All the various shades, red and yellow, black and white, we are precious in his sight. Human is a different ide ideation. We have to be something more than we have to do something. We have to be children of God, children of the most high, rather than do something. I remember when a few years ago, man, just after Pentecost, you know, I was in a room of clergy um, here in central Florida and having a conversation on race and it's not going to be in our lifetime. And, you know, we just got, and I'm like, man, I don't understand why we always limit the power of the spirit. When we read in Pentecost that the apostles were in the upper room and they were aligning themselves, they had fallen out of alignment. They had all scattered and they all held all kinds of different ideations. One of them even betrayed the Lord and killed himself. They went in that upper room, having known the resurrection and known the redemption that they have received from on high. They got into alignment. And when they got into alignment, the book of Acts said, a strong wind, a rushing wind came through. And just like that, everybody light on fire, speaking all kinds of tongues of the various people who are around proclaiming the glory of God. Thousands of people were baptized. Just like that. It didn't take, it didn't take 50 years. That was within the first year of Jesus' resurrection. But somehow, we people of faith have a faith that says, if we do what the apostles and disciples did and just get ourselves in alignment and remove the log from our own eye, it's going to take 50 years before the Lord comes. That's a supremacist ideation because that says, I need to fix it, not the Lord. I can't be waiting on the Lord. I have to do something because me doing it is going to happen quicker than the Lord doing it. I'm going to do it with God's help. 
you know, once he sees me doing it, he's going to sprinkle some grace on it and it's going to happen. But I don't need to be in alignment with him. He's going to get in alignment with me once he sees what I'm doing. Right now, I want to say, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> and I maybe also want to say, stay tuned for part two of this what is now a two-part series on removing the log from our own eye, which is, are, is, it, is it unfaithful to, to sit and do nothing? Is it unfaithful to get out and try and do something instead of learning and working to be, right? Is it theosis? Is it the hands and feet of Jesus? Is it going out and, and chasing after where the Holy Spirit is alive? Um, is it doing internal work? Is it doing both? Is it doing everything? Is it doing none of these things um, to keep trying to figure this out? I mean, here's the question, right? And this is the question that could linger. You know, how, how authentic can the church speak? How authentic can any church leader speak to the world when they can't even speak that boldly to their church. You got priests now that speak more boldly in public than they will from their pulpits. There are mm -hmm. bishops who will speak more, public, more boldly in their, in their public statements than they will say to their diocese. So if you cannot tell the people that you have charge over How credible is what you say to people who are outside of your reach and outside of your shepherding? If you got brothers and sisters that you see on Sundays and, and have communion with and exchange the kiss of the peace with, and you can't tell them about their abhorrent views, how credible is your witness when you show up for racial justice in the world? You may mean well, you may be well-intentioned, but if you cannot tell your brother or sister who you are seeing right next to you the things of life and how they are in opposition to the way of life, what efficacy is your witness in the world? So you out there in podcast and, and YouTube land, tell us. Answer this question, how, how can you make that statement? How can you claim any authenticity when we know there are times, and maybe all of our times, when we're not making that proclamation within our own communities, in our own church walls, with our own families, with our own people? Amen. Write a comment, send an email, get engaged here with racial heresy, get engaged with your parish, your family, your priest, your deacons, your church. May the Lord give us strength and hope. May he give us courage to do as he did, to walk worthy of his call in these times. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Racial Heresy. Be sure to visit our website, racialheresy.com, to post your questions, comments, and feedback, and to share your own stories of life as a racial heretic. Want to hear more? You can find past episodes of Racial Heresy on iTunes and the Racial Heresy website. Want to hear even more? Invite Racial Heresy to speak at your conference, council, church, training, or event. Email us at ebonyandivory at racialheresy.com 
or visit our website for information on speaking engagements.